a lot of you asking about the trip. How was the fishing? How was the fishing? Uh, I went to Montana this last week, and it was great. There was 18 of us uh, guys. The the place um, is a place. It's called Refuge, and there's a place in Montana and Wyoming, and they have. Uh, 22,000 men that try to get in every year and only 2,000 get in but uh, they had a week that canceled and they called Bart and like he pulled 18 guys together real quick so it was an impulsive trip but it was really encouraging to have a 20 year old teach me how to fly fish (laughs) which I had never done before and uh, Gavin, Gavin had us on the first day, me and my friend Richard, and we were in the boat going down the river. And uh, you're there all day long, and you just have discussions. And the, these guys, they're, they're 20 to 25, 28 years old that are running the refuge place, and they're good, they're good dudes. So to be able to sit there with Gavin and talk to him, he's a PK his dad's pastoring over in the Columbus, Ohio area, and he's heard it all. And uh, I was talking about Sabbath rest to him. And I talked about how you, how you literally rode back up the river by the source of another person inside of you. That you don't have to do the work, Gavin. Jesus will do it for you. And uh, when I got home, Gavin texted me, and he's like, I want to know more about this living by another source. I'm like, this is a this is a PK. You know, he's heard it his whole life. But he's like, I, I don't understand this living by another source thing. So it made me think here this morning as Matt was talking about the Sabbath rest. I, I, I can clearly see how God's timing is in this whole Hebrews thing. Uh, different people in the room uh, and, and the time and the need for it. But I'm kind of curious. The world, the church teaches that Sabbath rest is, is what? What do they teach that it is? What? They teach it, it's, and someone said an hour on Sunday, but <laughs> yeah, they teach that it's, it's Sunday. I mean, literally, kids, we grew up in a time where the malls weren't open on Sunday. You didn't go to movies on Sundays, and Wednesday nights too. You didn't have practices and stuff like that. Now they have, Hallie, good to see you. Uh... Uh, they have games on Sundays. They have the malls open. Everything's open. The bowling alley's open, thank goodness. Uh, yeah, but everybody was taught that Sabbath rest was you just rest from your works because what did God do on his seventh day? Yeah. So what's he doing after the seventh day? Still resting. Huh. They don't teach that. They just teach on the seventh day that God rested from his works. So uh, le- let me ask this question. Uh, how many of you grew up with that understanding of what Sabbath rest was, that it was a physical rest? How many of you grew up with that? The majority of the room. 
So now as you come here and as we taught like four weeks ago and two weeks ago, Hebrews chapter 4, we taught there were three types of rest. There's a redemption rest where you get redeemed. This is your salvation. Uh, the, the, the Israelites got redeemed from the slavery of the Egyptians. But we got redeemed as... Here, Matt always says this. You always quote me. I'm going to quote you now. Uh, Matt always says this. Just the, the basics. The basics that you have to understand in this room as believers is that forgiveness was once and for all. Christ died one time. One time. He doesn't die every day. He doesn't die when you kneel beside your bed at night and ask for forgiveness again. He died one time back around 30 AD. And when he did, his blood was poured out and your sins were forgiven. You weren't even around. You weren't even born. But your sins were forgiven at the cross. So everything that you've done in the past, everything that you're currently doing, everything that you're going to do in the future, he's already dealt with the sin issue in your life. And we teach, you know, I don't teach, but you hear it taught, you've you got to work on your sin, you've got to work on your sin, you've got to fix it, you've got to fix it. It's like, it's a done deal. And then some of you in the room don't understand that, so you go, well, that just means we can go do whatever we want to do. Well, yeah, you can. You can go do whatever you want to do. Have at it. Have at it. Let me know how that's working for you. Because they'll do it, and we've got friends, you all have friends out here that go and do it, and uh, eventually you hope that they see there's, there's a reason that Jesus came and his was buried and rose again, sets to the Father, and they send this Holy Spirit to live in your life. And when this Holy Spirit enters your life, the whole desire to sin just goes away. Yeah, I still sin. I still sin. I still blow it. I still make bad choices. I get it. But really, my desire has changed. He put a new heart in me, and he changed me. That that second level of rest, after the redemption rest, it's not a biblical term, but we're just calling it like a Canaan rest because he promised them that they could enter the land of Canaan, but they never could get in, enter into the land because they went and saw, they sent spies and they saw big giants there that were going to defeat them. And so they ended up in the wilderness and that whole generation, except for Joshua and Caleb, died in the wilderness. Like it'll kill you if you don't learn how to overcome the enemy. And today... For me, I have the ability to overcome the enemy. I get, all, I get all sorts of thoughts. All sorts of thoughts in this head right here. Even looking at you, I'm getting thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I know. Everybody's like, uh. <laughs> And I have to take those thoughts and I have to filter them. But here's the good news is. The moment that I became transformed, he gave me the mind of Christ. And I can take those thoughts and I go, that's not true. That's not true. Even my feelings and emotions will mess with me. 
and I'll think that they're true, but I have to really go back to his word and the spirit that lives in me and discern what's truth and what's lies. Because I could sit here and say, oh, they're just not getting in this message. I'm just up here rambling. Oh, somebody doesn't like me in this room. And it's just thoughts that just hit me. And I'm like, I have to go, okay, that's coming from another source. Paul says in Romans that there's this power that dwells in my flesh. And we'll get into that here, here in a minute. But then there's the Sabbath rest. The Sabbath rest is like, it's so important. What Matt was saying is if you can get here to the, this intimacy with God, if you can get to this intimacy with God, I write to you men because you know the one who is from the beginning, the creator. To be able to walk with him like Adam did. Like Adam did, to just walk with him to have this intimate conversation with him, to know what he's thinking, to have the wisdom of God, he gives you that ability. That's where your wisdom comes from. Your wisdom comes from God. And he'll give it to you. That if you can enter this Sabbath rest, like literally right now, if I'm in my own, watch this, if I'm in my own strength speaking today to you, you're in trouble. I'm, I'm trusting that the Lord's literally doing this. Not even giving me the strength, not giving me the strength to do it, that, Lord, you're doing this, that as I'm sitting here breathing, that you're breathing for me and you're speaking every word. I trust you, Lord. And if you, you can do what Matt says, you go back to the word and see if, see if I'm telling you the truth. That's what you can do. I I really like to hear from you. What are you learning about this Sabbath rest? What is it that you're learning? What? Yeah, we need it for sure. It's not a sin to play sports on Sunday. (laughs) You can do that. You can do that for sure. You're free. You're absolutely free. There's a a peace that passes all understanding. It doesn't even make sense sometimes that we can be at peace. Yeah, it's having a relationship, just knowing, trusting, trusting. Yeah. <laughs> what? Oh, KD. Wait, I have a seminary degree. I can get the Sabbath rest, but you're saying everybody else gets to as well? Absolutely. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that lives in Rusty and the same spirit that lives in you. There's nothing greater about me just because I'm sitting here on a platform is that he's, he's made this rest available to all. He said, Joshua and Caleb, you're not going to be able to 
lead them into this other rest. What's this other rest? Because the Holy Spirit hadn't come at that point in the Old Testament. And so they were doing everything in their own strength. Everything that they did in the Old Testament was in their own strength. Just to say, when Jesus comes here on earth, I'm going to die, buried, raised again, and I'm sending the Spirit, and now you don't have to do anything. Tr- trust me, I, I don't sit on my couch. Well, I do occasionally, but... I'm busy. But it's because the Lord leads me. There's a spirit inside of me that leads me to conversation, that leads me to go fishing, to go to baseball games and hang out with friends and just to do life abundantly. Holy cow. I don't have to die to get an abundant life. I have it. It's available. There's a holy living God inside of me. And I sit here and look at you and go, it's the same for you. I, I see what you do. But there's a holy living God inside of you. Let's get into Hebrews 5, sorry. Uh, verse 1. For every high priest taken from among men, <laughs> taken from among men is appointed in matters pertaining to God for the people to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins course uh i grew up southern baptist the southern baptist convention always happens in june uh it's always a big deal there's always some kind of like drama in the denominational thing and of course this year is they've kicked like three churches out of the southern baptist convention because they've ordained women as pastors (laughs) one of them being saddleback with rick warren and rick warren is now like in this twitter battle with everybody it's like are you kidding me that that's what we're that's what we're gonna focus on. But I'm gonna read the scripture again. It says, For every high priest taken from among men is appointed in matters pertaining to God for the people. This was the priest. Every high priest was taken from among men and they serve men. Now we live in a day where they're taking the translations, they're taking the translations, the Bible taking the Hebrew language and the Greek language in the New Testament and they keep modifying and translating it and everything else and they they change to men and women or whatever. But I'm reading the most current version and it says men. Because why? Because this is the history of what happened in the Old Testament, Old Covenant priesthood. It was men. It doesn't say men and women. It says from among men is appointed in matters. And and here is what happened is this man who came from came from the uh, a Levite tribe from from Aaron, descendants of Aaron. You see that here in a second. But they were men and they were the mediators between God and man, between God and the Israelites. Like they had to have someone come between them. That's the way that God set that whole system up. If you go to Exodus 28.1, it actually says that Aaron was the high priest and that all the other priests came from Aaron. So it was from his lineage that all the priests were and they were all from the tribe of Levi. 
which is why we get the book Leviticus. Leviticus, and it's all to the priest, and it's got 613 laws that the priests follow. Good luck with that. He says, he is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray, since he is also clothed with weakness. <laughs> He's saying pastors deal with stupid people. <laughs> I think that's what it said. <laughs> he is able to deal great gently with those who are ignorant and going astray. But watch this. Since he is also clothed with weakness. Since the pastor also does stupid things. He understands. I understand. I get it. That we, we deal with bad decisions. I make bad decisions still. You make bad decisions. And we deal with it. In those days... They dealt with it so they could take it to God for the people. That's what he did. So the priest was very sympathetic and he's gentle with the people because he's experienced life just as they have. My, my issues are not the same as your issues sometimes. Sometimes they are. But I believe that God, believe it or not, has given me a heart of mercy and grace. It's a gift from the Holy Spirit. It's not me. It's him. And he knows that he has, this priest knows that he has the capability to make the same bad decisions. I know that I can make the same bad decisions. I, I, I realize that. Someday, I could make a really bad decision and not be sitting in this seat. I get it. I'm capable of doing that. And the problem, the problem is for those that are, you know, pretty good at making good decisions, we have a tendency to want to bust the chops of those making the bad decisions and that we want to pass judgment on them. And let me tell you right now, Paul says again in Romans, there, those for who, who are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. Jesus died once, dealt with your sin, it's over, it's done deal, there's no condemnation. I'm looking at you as holy, righteous people. Which is, I think, the reason that you're sitting here. <laughs> because it really is good news. It's great news. I'm going to teach the truth, and I'm going to trust the Spirit in you. going to trust it. It's not my responsibility to make you behave. Verse 3, it says, Because of this, he must make an offering for his own sins as well as for the people. So on the Day of Atonement in the Old Covenant, they had the temple or even the tabernacle before the temple, but they had this holy place in the temple. It was the Holy of Holies. And the high priest would go in and he would actually make an animal sacrifice of a blood, the blood of bulls or goats. They would slice the throats of the, blood, of the bulls and goats and blood would pour out and they would go in and offer this sacrifice to God. Why do you choose blood? Because if you don't have blood, you don't have life. And so, therefore, they make this sacrifice by killing this animal, and they have to do it for their own sins first. Every year they go back there, and the high priests offer their, this sacrifice for their own sins because they're just like everybody else. Then everybody else comes, and they bring their animals. They do the whole process, and 
here, it, it, this is the crazy thing is, is like they just keep going and keep going and keep going all day long. I mean, it's a nasty scene at the temple. It's hot in Jerusalem, and they're they got blood and flies and everything else, and it's it smells bad. It's just nasty. And they never sit down because they just keep working and working and working, trying to watch this cover cover the sins of the people, not forgive. To atone means to to cover. They just cover their sins. They're not forgiven. They're only forgiven when? When Jesus died on the cross, he was capable of forgiving sins and like they're not even around anymore. So we're still talking about like old covenant. He must make an offering for his own sin as well as the sins of the people. Verse 4, no one takes this honor on himself. Instead, a person is called by God just as Aaron was. You can't, you, you, at that point, you couldn't ap- appoint yourself to be a priest. You were appointed by God. God's the one that appointed all the priests. You know, today you can get on the internet and ordain yourself. <laughs> yeah, you want to do a wedding? Let's go buy you an ordination from the universal church. It happens all the time. But here, he's literally saying, you can't do this. You can't appoint yourself as priest. God appointed each high priest. They had to be descendants of Aaron. They had to be from the Levitical tribe. He says, in the same way, this is, this is where now the, the rubbers meet in the road today, in the same way, Christ did not exalt himself to become a high priest, but God who said to him, and the writer in Hebrews quotes Psalm chapter 2, verse 7 right here. He says, you are my son, and today I become your father. Like, I'm sending you to earth in human form because this is what we agreed upon from the very beginning, that you would be the sacrifice. Verse 6 says, and also says in another place, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Psalm 110.4 says this, The Lord was sworn, has sworn an oath and will not take it back. You are a priest forever according to the pattern of Melchizedek. I can get into the pattern of Melchizedek with you, but he'll, he does that more in chapter 7, and so I'll save a lot of that. But basically, the pattern of Melchizedek was that it was eternal. He says there in Psalm, it's forever. The difference between the priest of Aaron is that they were temporary. Like, that is, doesn't even exist. The temple doesn't even exist anymore. There's a temple mount, but there's no temple for the Jews to go and make sacrifices anymore. It was temporary. That all like blew up in 70 AD. Go read your history books. The Romans came in and destroyed them and killed 1.1 million Jews. So they can't even like do the animal sacrifices anymore. Well, there's no need to because Jesus did it one time. He did what the blood of the bulls and goats couldn't do. Forgive sin. And so he's literally saying to Jesus, you're coming from this different order of high priest, which is Melchizedek, and it's eternal. It's forever. Jesus is forever. He is forever our high priest. He came here as a prophet and as he died and our his blood was poured out for the forgiveness of our sins he became a priest the priest in that is in the order of Melchizedek it's eternal verse 7 it says 
During his earthly life, he offered prayers and appeals with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. I, when I read that, I can't help but think about the Garden of Gethsemane. The night before Jesus was crucified. When Jesus was asking his boys, his disciples, just stay up with me and pray. And they kept falling asleep and he was over there just, there's like literally blood coming from him. Like sweat that was, that was blood. And he's, cry, he's crying to the Lord. And, and Jesus was literally honored, he honored God for who he was at this night. The reason he was sweating blood, this is so important. He said in these words, Lord, remove this cup from me. And you can translate that as, Lord, I don't want to go to the cross. But that wasn't the case. Because they agreed. They agreed, I'm going to the cross. So, what is removing this cup from me? I'm pretty sure he was talking about being in human flesh there in the Garden of Gethsemane. That the evil one was telling him, don't go to the cross, don't go to the cross, don't die, it's not worth it, da 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 da. All those same thoughts that you have, he was having right there that night. Now, sometimes I choose those thoughts. I choose those thoughts. Get it straight, Jesus never chose those thoughts. He always dismissed them, and typically with the word of God and trusting God. And he went to the cross. But he, he, he can sympathize with you out here and the crazy thoughts that you have. My God can sympathize with you. He knows what it was like. He, experienced, he came here in this human form and he experienced pain a physical pain just like you are. A mental pain just like you experience. Emotions just like you experience. Grief just like you experience. He, he's, he's done it. What God has done that? But now he can sympathize with me. <laughs> and in that garden... He's crying out tears to the one who is able to save him. I'm not responsible for uh, keeping my salvation. There's only one who's responsible for keeping me saved. And that's God the Father. I'll fail. He won't. Verse 8, it says, Although he was the son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And this is the difference between walking by your flesh versus walking by your spirit. We suffer not only from our decisions to walk in the flesh, but by other people around us <laughs> who choose to walk in their flesh. 
Like, I can sit here and look around the room of family members that have messed up families because of the decisions that they've made. There's nobody that's innocent here (laughs) on that. Like, we suck... Even as a body right here, we suffer based upon the decisions that people make in this room. We suffer. It says, although he was the son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. Jesus suffered with those who were living out of their flesh. He literally took it on. Verse 9, it says, after he was perfected, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. When was he perfected? He was perfected at the cross when he shed his physical body. Like he literally came in earth, had this flesh. The evil one was able to mess with him and tempt him and do all these things, but he was perfected once the sacrifice on the cross happened. And all the sacrifices that were done in the temple and there on the cross, they had to be spotless. He was perfect. He was perfect. He was the perfect sacrifice. He's the only perfect sacrifice. He's the only one that's walked here on earth and was perfect. But watch. After he was perfected, he became the source of eternal salvation. When I told Gavin, you need to figure out how to... Live your life by the source of another. This is what I was talking about. Jesus is the source. It originates from Jesus. He's the author of that source. He causes it to happen. He will do it in you. He will breathe for you. He'll do it all. It, it's the, and the, so, here's the thing about the source. It's a never-ending well. It, it's always going to be there. It's always it's eternal. It's not temporary. You can't lose it. It's available, Katie. It's available for everybody in this room. All you have to do is like walk in and choose it. When he's talking about obey here, it's not a directive to earn salvation, but a byproduct of those who believe. That's what it is. I, I, I'm not questioning salvation here. I'm not even talking about salvation, but. I'm assuming that because you're here, you probably believe in Jesus, but the byproduct of you believing in Jesus is that you have this source that says, I'll do it for you. Just stop. Just stop. If you, if you have salvation in Christ, it's just natural for you to walk in obedience to the spirit that's in you. You still have the choice to choose your flesh. But obey is like you listen. You just listen. You hear. And you walk. You go. Verse 10 it says, And he was declared by God a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Again, Melchizedek is eternal. We'll talk more about that in Hebrews 7. Verse 11, here we go. We have a great deal of to say about this. And, it is a diff- and it's difficult to explain since you have become too lazy to understand. When he says to say about this, he's really talking about Melchizedek. This is, it's a complicated thing. And it's not necessarily easy to understand. It wasn't a concern to them, obviously, because this whole letter was written to Christian Hebrews 
that were being pressured to go back to the old covenant system of going back to the temple and doing sacrifices. So if this is written before 70 AD, before the temple is destroyed, and Jesus died for their sins in 30, there's 40 years there where Jesus died for their sins and his blood was offered out for these Jews who now believed in Jesus, yet they were still tempted to go back to the temple and do the sacrifice because that's what they were always taught. It's like us. Keep going back and asking for more forgiveness. Like, you were forgiven once. If we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. And he says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I was told I had to do that every night. He did it one time. He cleansed me from all unrighteousness one time. One time. It says... They were lazy. It was easier for them just to go back and not be pressured by the Jews and just do what they said. But their laziness was leading them to suffering and pain. And if they would have done that and they would have been around there in 70 AD, they literally would have died. It would have led them to death. He's like, don't be lazy. And I'm saying to you is, don't give up. Keep processing. Keep thinking. Like, if you choose to sin, and I said this two weeks ago, the only sin, I only do one sin, and my sin is to walk by my flesh. You can make a whole list of things that I do wrong, but really, it all comes down to one thing. I choose to walk by my flesh and do everything in my own strength, whatever that looks like. And that's literally what they're doing here, is we're going to go back and try to forgive our own sins, just keep going back and making offerings. He's encouraging them not to. The last few verses here, it says, Although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation again. You need milk, not solid food. Like, if Matt says, the one thing that you have to understand is forgiveness. I I hope everybody understands in this room forgiveness. I write to you children because you understand forgiveness. It's the basics of maturity. He died blood was poured out you are forgiven it says to teach you the basic principle of God's revelation again you need milk not solid food when you stop applying what you know then you're going to have to do your own strength you're going to have to do financial peace you're going to have to do diets. You're going to have to do lists. You're going to have to. You're going to have to do all that. I'm not saying those are bad. I'm not saying that at all. But when you de- become dependent upon your own strength, when there's a source that's like, I'll, I'll take care of you if you let me. It's a much greater deal. Verse 13. It says, Now everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness. Because he's an infant. So every week I come back here. Every Sunday I come back here. And we talk about identity. Every week. And here's the hope. Is like if you can some way. Somehow be brainwashed by the spirit. Not by me. But be brainwashed by the spirit. To believe that you're holy, righteous and redeemed. 
then maybe you'll go out and in your conversations you will have the ability to teach that you move from milk to meat. That it's just natural for you in your conversations. What if the what if the church actually believed that they were made righteous? And I'm not talking about you, because I think I think most of you in this room get that, but what if the church as a whole actually understood that they were made righteous at the cross? That they're perfect. Not based upon behavior, but by who they are. Ephesians 6.17 says, And the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. This, this word, this sword, is the offensive weapon that God provides us. The sword is God's word. So I saturate my mind in the truth of this book right here. I read it. I study it. I figure it out. Is what I'm listening to on the radio truth? Ha! <laughs> Even in Christian music. Sorry, man. Uh, <laughs> yours is good. Yours is good. Uh, even in Christian music, even, even pastors that I listen to, it's hard. I have to filter this. I have to filter it with the word of God. So I saturate my mind with truth. And then the last verse here, it says... But solid food is for the mature, for those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. I write to you, young men, because you know how to overcome the evil one. I write to you, fathers, because you know the one who is from the beginning. You have this intimacy. When we become spiritually mature, we have this ability to choose right from wrong and excellent over good. We can listen to the Spirit and know this is what he wants for my life. This is what I'm going to do with all confidence in God, not confidence in myself because I've messed it up too many times. And that whole spiritual maturity just allows us to overcome the evil one in his schemes. You have to know that you are already righteous. You have to know this. It's important. And that there's a Sabbath rest that's just waiting for you. All I'm telling you here today is to dig deep. It says, make every effort to enter into his rest. Make every effort. What is the effort? Know Jesus know Jesus and just stop what you're doing Jesus I I trust you I trust you with your word I trust that you spoke here this morning and if it's my words that you'll correct them during the week with my friends in this room I trust you with that that you will speak to them that you will cause them to see this, cause them to believe it and you'll just even breathe for them this week and I pray these things in Jesus name, Amen